Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another evening of Broadcast in Politics, sponsored by Students for a Better Future. Good evening. Tonight we have a great guest. Great guest. His name is Dan Perkins. He's the author of the book, Why Can Granny Remember Me? Very, very interesting program. And um, we're going to have him come on in a couple of minutes. So interesting things are happening this week. We had the situation with the continuation of the Russian collusion that has not gone except with 14 Russians that will never, they're in Russia, they'll never see prison time. And they'll, it's like a show. It's a comedy show. And this continues at taxpayers' expense. All these lawyers that were hired by Bob Mueller, uh, a very, very influential individual in the Clinton Foundation. So at this moment, Bob Mueller is really not working for trying to get justice. He's just trying to continue to make money at taxpayers' expense and continue the, 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 the pretension that, that, that there is a collusion. There's not. So I, I believe that something has to happen uh, within Congress. And Congress and, and the Senate have to take steps to get rid of this Bob Mueller uh, saga because it's not going anywhere. Number two, sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities continue to defy the Constitution, defy the federal government, and defy President Trump. So Jeff Session was in Sacramento this week, and we have the, the mayor of Oakland saying that she will not her cooperate her law enforcement individuals will not cooperate with ICE and Homeland Security. Total defying the laws. And I, can, I, I, and I see where, and I keep telling everyone uh, that I speak to, sanctuary cities are based on money, funding. All these cities are for sanctuary, for, the, for their cities to be considered sanctuaries because they, they get federal funding. If that federal funding gets cut off tomorrow, you will see all these cities not be in favor of of um, sanctuary cities. That's that's how it goes. So I definitely not not uh, not beneficial to the country to continue to have these cities definitely are defying the laws of the United States of America. We hear that President Trump and King Young-il, the maniac from North Korea, will be meeting. That's, that's going to be historic, a historic event. No other, no other president has ever achieved that. I think that's something to keep in perspective. 
we have to tell the the maniac from from North Korea that he has to treat international the correct way. And if he doesn't, then there, there will be steps. There will be consequences. So as I leave you, I will be calling our guest right now, and uh, we should be on the air with our guest in a minute. If you can just give me a minute, I'm going to be calling the guest. But it's been a very interesting week. Good evening, Dan Perkins. Mr. Perkins, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. All right. Welcome uh, again to Broadcast in Politics, and this show is sponsored by Students for a Better Future. Uh, my co-host, Doreen LaGuardia, is not here, but we're definitely looking forward to uh, the next 55 minutes of great conversation okay. with you. So... Um, you're the author of the book, Why Can't Grant, uh, Granny uh, Remember Me? I love that title. Yes. How did you Thank come you. up with that title? <laughs> How did you come up um, with that title? I mean, um, well, um, I came up with that title because um, I, I don't know what you know about me, but I'm a, I'm a novelist. I've written some other children's mm-hmm. books. I write I write for eight blog, national blogs. Um, I do commentary um, all the time and um, do a lot of interviews. And this all happened to me starting about four and a half years ago. Um, right. And uh, I believe that the Lord has a great influence in what I write and uh, the messages that he has me to, to write. And um, in the beginning of the book, there is a dedication to a, a friend and client of mine who was uh, diagnosed at age 52 with early onset dementia and passed away by 62. Uh, And that was a long time ago. And uh, I had just finished um, actually my first children's book called Peter the Little Irish Seal about Celtic mythology of um, about a special breed of seal uh, who were mythological characters who could shed their skin and come on shore and live as humans. And uh, uh, I literally went, and, and what happened was um, uh, a gentleman uh, who I had known for a long time, we'd lost touch for almost 25 years, and, and we made contact again when I found out that he lived about a, less than a mile from me here on Sanibel. And... Um, he loved the the Peter the Little Irish Seal book, and he said to me, going to a, a meeting together, uh, "Could you write a Could you write a book on a little red wagon?" And I said, "I don't know. I've never written a book about a little why." And he said, "Well, uh, my, his he and his wife have been um, they lost a grandchild uh, to a terminal illness, and um, they uh, became uh, significant supporters of building a new children's hospital mm-hmm. in Fort Myers. And, uh, and he said, you know, um, 
I, I want I want you to write a story about a little red wagon, but but I I sense that you're thinking about something else. And I said yes, I I have this book that I want to write about dementia, and I've been talking to some researchers here in Southwest Florida, and what I discovered was, and later proved based on a book tour that. Um, the grandchildren are the lost generation. And so I was convinced after I saw that happen, and then I had a, a very personal experience with a, a woman who was the assistant to the head of the library here on Sanibel, who uh, purchased my Peter the Little Irish Seal book uh, a, year, uh, a year ago last December for their, her children for Christmas. And she didn't have all the money. And I said, that's fine. I'll get it after Christmas. So in December, or January of 2017, just a little over a year ago, I went back to pick up the money for the two books, and she said the children just loved it. She said, are you working on anything else? And I said, yeah, I've got this book, and the working title is Why Can't Grammy Remember Me? Oh, wow. And, and she, she said, um, she started to cry, and I said, well, what did, what, what did I do here that made you cry? She said, when I give, I gave the books to your to my children. I love the the books on the little Irish seal. But three weeks before Christmas, my husband and I both decided that it was not possible for my mother to continue to live alone safely. Mm -hmm. So we brought her into our house, and uh, we are still trying to explain to our eight-year-old daughter what's going on with Grandma. And uh, I desperately need your book. So when I finished the book, she's the first. When I got the, the proofs, I took a copy over to her. Um, and when I did a, an early book tour, um, uh, I went to Cincinnati, Ohio, and did a tour, some radio and television stations and some other groups. And I did a, a presentation in front of 145 fourth graders, nine and 10-year-old oh. kids. And I wow. asked them, I said, how, how many of you ever heard the word dementia? And almost every hand went up. I said, how many of you have either grandparents or aunts or uncles that you've been told have dementia? And a, a number of hands went up. And then I asked them this question. I said, when you visit your grandmother, your grandpa, wherever they're staying, and you walk in and you say hello to them or you ask them a question, they don't respond by calling you by name or answering your question. Do you think you've done something wrong? Do you think that the reason why Grammy's not responding to you is because she's angry with you for something that you've done? And every hand went up. Every oh. hand. And so well, the children, the grandchildren, are the lost generation. And so this book... Um, to give you a sense of magnitude of this book, I didn't bring it out at the best possible time from a book selling standpoint. I was published on the 15th of December. 15th of December. On the 18th of December, I started a Facebook marketing campaign to let people know about the book and they could buy it if they wanted to. The first four weeks, which took us through Christmas and New Year's, we got 64,000 page views. I ran another one. After that, I included Canada and the United Kingdom and along to the United States. And that four-week campaign generated 86,000 page views. 
So over 150,000 people in a period of eight weeks looked at this book. Well, there's a problem. Have, there's a problem out there. Well, yeah, and 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 we'll we'll be able to promote your book on our website. Okay. Um, so definitely, uh, it, it, there'll be a lot more uh, individuals, um, but we'll get that at, at the end of the uh, the end of the show. Sure. To our for our audience, what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer? Because it's something that constantly has been brought to my attention. How, what is there, is is dementia the step before you get Alzheimer's, or it's dementia and Alzheimer's totally two different uh, things? Good question. Very very good question, and and a, and a mm-hmm. question I get all the time. Um, so um, think of it this way: dementia is the illness that attacks the cells in the brain. Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's is one of the results of it. Got it. So a person who has Alzheimer's also has dementia. What happens, it, uh, if you've probably never seen this, and and depending on how strong your stomach is, um, it used to be for, for, for a long time. The only way that we could verify for sure that a person had dementia was after death with an autopsy. And if you could imagine, um, uh, let's imagine that the brain is like a watermelon, uh, an elongated, not a round watermelon. Right. Um, imagine that the bottom, at the bottom of the watermelon, it begins to open a hole, and the hole grows, and it grows up through the bottom of the watermelon. What happens in the brain is that dementia deteriorates the blood of uh, the, the cells of the brain and physically in many cases will create a void or a hole in the brain. Hmm. And now now they have new forms of uh, scanning technology that they can physically see the shrinkage of the brain uh, while a person is still alive. But the um, most of the researchers that I've talked to say that once that process of deterioration of the brain begins, it's not reversible. Right. They're hopeful that they'll be able to stop it someday, but you can't reverse it. So, um, and it's a progressive disease. As the brain gets more and more consumed, we have less function. That's why they some people call dementia the long, slow goodbye. Because right. what's 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 uh, devastating about the disease is that, by and large, it does uh, rarely affect younger people, but most of the time it's 
older people. The the daughter who her mother gave birth to her, she watches her deteriorate to the point that at a point in time, she will no longer remember her daughter or any other children or grandchildren or spouse or anybody in her life. And I, I like to try and help people understand that the impact of dementia, which is the end of life, is very much like the beginning of life. When we are born as a newborn baby, we cannot feed ourselves. We can't change right. our diapers. We right. can't walk. We can't talk. We can't process a lot. So we are totally dependent on someone else to survive. So it is with a person with dementia at the end of their life. They're totally dependent on somebody else to survive. Right. Well, I, I, I have um, I have two one question and a comment on that. How long did it take for your research to research in regards to talk to uh, uh, staff at different hospitals in regards to that what dementia was and how the impact of dementia to write your book? Um, how long did that take? How long how long did that take that whole uh, process? You're right. Um, uh, I started on on that book in the fall of 2016, and it was published. It was published in December of 2017. Okay, not a long book. Long book, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not a long book. It's designed to be read by children between the ages of nine and twelve and their families. So it's. It's not a long book. Uh, clearly, I uh, suspect that what you're asking, that I spend more time doing research than I did writing. Yes. Yeah, yeah the so research aspect. Yeah, the question was more on the, on the research aspect. How, how long did it take you to do the research in regards to dementia? I would say that I spent probably twice as much time doing research than I did, uh, than I did in writing the book. I mean, I... We, well, I was very fortunate in that in Fort Myers, Florida, where I live out in a town called Sanibel out in the, out in the Gulf yeah. of Mexico, Fort Myers is the dementia research capital of the United States. There are more clinical trials and research going on in dementia than any other place in the country. So I was yeah. able to go sit down with research scientists and their staffs who are doing clinical trials to d try and come up with medications to stop uh, the impact or, or postpone or delay the symptoms in dementia. So I also worked with a, uh, a PhD who has spent his entire life doing research in clinical trials on, on dementia. Um, and he and I corresponded over a, a couple of months as I was developing the manuscript, and 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 his reaction was, I've never seen a book like this before. Uh, it, I I wrote it as a mystery, with two little girls who are detectives, nine and twelve years of age. Uh, <laughs> okay. And um, uh, he he just thought it was a fascinating way. I just got a literally today just got a note from a a uh, 
clinical psychologist out of Cornell University hmm. in uh, in New York, Ithaca, New York. And yeah. he said to me that he had read the book. Somebody had told him about it, and he got it. He said, it is uh, amazing to me how wonderful you've told the story as a mystery. The end of the book, which is the, uh, the, the epilogue of the book, are 12 activities that families can do today immediately, starting today, to begin to preserve the memory of grandmother and grandpa. Because what we right. don't understand is that, that um, where we came from is very important to where we're going. If we don't understand the history of our family and, and mm-hmm. who these people were that shaped our parents, who in turn shaped us, we're missing a very important part of our history. So I believe it's important to try and preserve uh, the histories of families. Well, I, 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 want, I want to present you with a case, a case test, I mean a case, and that was my mother and my aunt. My mother mm-hmm. was perfect, perfectly fine for so many years, and then when my dad passed away, she became very lonely, and even though I, stay, I, I spent time with her, she still missed my, my dad. And, well, and sure. over, a span of, over a span of a year, she became, she started to forget things, started to wake up at 3 in the morning and knock on people's doors, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and imagine, she would imagine things like there's a cat in the window, or there's someone... And this happened so fast. For someone who was How totally, was she? totally, she was, when my dad passed away, she was 71. Let me, and, let me, it, yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. I, I just want to give you another piece of information. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, maybe it will help you. Uh, maybe it wasn't as fast as you thought it was. And here's why. Mm-hmm. One of the researchers that I work with, um, we were talking about who the, the gentleman I dedicated the book to, who right. was diagnosed at early onset at age 52. He said to me, he probably started developing symptoms when he was 22, 30 years previous. And what happens is that the that the human body and the brain and everything adjusts to those subtle changes that take place in our lives. And until they reach a point where they can no longer, quote, compensate, and that's when uh, deterioration uh, happens. And, uh, and towards the end, it can accelerate dramatically. Now, there's, there, there may be a couple of other issues. I'm not a doctor. I'm just an author. But I've, I've talked to a lot of doctors about this. Right. You can get dementia f- from different ways. You can get dementia, for example, as a genetic disorder. You can also, uh, I have a foundation that I started with my wife uh, four years ago called Songs and Stories for Soldiers. And it deals with treating veterans in the area of traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, sleep deprivation, and suicide prevention. And we're in 90 facilities across the United States. 
And what we found in working with the doctors that that right now the VA believes that many of the veterans of the Gulf Wars who suffered traumatic brain injury will ultimately have dementia. Right. So mm-hmm. there, uh, I have a I have a, a, a first cousin, uh, and this was just about eight months ago. Perfectly healthy woman his wife, very active, very active in the community and everything. And she was cleaning in her living room and stepped up on the hearth to dust something, a knickknack on a shelf up there. And she fell and hit her head on a table. She has dementia because of a traumatic brain injury. It's also capable, also possible for some people who have certain blood disorders to develop dementia. So it isn't always necessarily genetic, but there can be other causes of dementia. So it's very possible in the year, um, in the how long were your, was your mother and your father married? They were married for about 30 years. Okay. So what most people don't understand is that there are events that take place in our lives that we can, in fact, wind up having post-traumatic stress disorder, death of a loved right. one, especially, especially a meaningful relationship that had, mm-hmm. that had been around for a long time. That, that abrupt separation can create post-traumatic stress disorder and the trauma of losing a husband. Um, right. And so it's, it's, it's possible that that, that that trauma that she went through uh, is what triggered something that was already happening in her body to accelerate. Right. But her sister, Dan, her sister, who's older, she was very active, and she's still active. She's not, she just turned 93, very active, reading books, uh, uh, you know, going to, to the movies. And my mother withdrew and became, she isolated herself. And I believe right. that that, emotionally drained her out. So I just that's, wanted to bring that's that. Certainly that possible. I just wanted to bring that so case because two sisters, sorry, two sisters and one gets dementia, I mean, gets dementia and Alzheimer's basically right after my dad passed away and my aunt who's older than her and she's still alive. She, she's never, she's, she's like sharp. For 93, she's very sharp. Right. But my mother, at the age of 76, passed away because of uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah. In the beginning of the book, uh, normally an author will ask somebody to review the book, and, and it's typically put at the back of the book from the back cover or somewhere. And, right. and I, decided not to, I decided not to do that. I, I sent the book to the researcher that I worked with and to a, a, a general practitioner who I was told and he verified that his mother and his brother both have dementia. And then the third person I sent it to was an eight-year-old girl. And I asked them to read the book and I wanted to get from them their perspective of how the book changed their 
knowledge about dementia. And so each wrote their own personal perspective, um, which is which is fascinating. The man, the doctor who had a, has a mother and and um, brother who have dementia. Um, there's, there's a it's not in the book because I didn't know about it until after the book came out. Um, his mother was living in Maine, where she was from. And he and his family lived in Columbus, Ohio. They did an assessment and found out that mom could no longer live alone. So they decided to move her to Columbus to be with um, him and his wife and the family. The mother had been the historian for the family. She had kept many, many three-ring binders full of photographs and wedding certificates and birth certificates and baptismal certificates and photographs of events and ribbons and bows. And she was the one who kept the history of the family. Right. When they packed her, when they packed her up to move to Columbus, she couldn't find them. Hmm. She didn't know what happened to them. So that history of that family, for 40-some years, disappeared. Sad. Very sad. Yes. I, I wanted to touch on, 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 diff, on other aspects of why individuals get dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, okay. The latest report is that a lot of the, uh, if you're eating soy, or if you're taking a lot of drugs, uh, you know, prescription drugs and everything, that that has led to an increased number of individuals getting Alzheimer's and dementia. On your, uh, based on your research, has that, is that something that is valid? A valid... Um, That's a good question. I mean, yeah. Let me, let, me, let me deal with a couple of factoids. Blacks and Hispanics have, a highest, have the highest percentage of people with dementia. Okay. Blacks and Hispanics have the highest percentage of people with diabetes. Right. It is not uncommon for people with diabetes to eventually wind up with dementia. The, the doctors who do the research on both illnesses believe that the, the reason why blacks and Hispanics have a higher rate of Alzheimer's right. and dementia and diabetes are two factors, diet and exercise. Right. And in the diet, the biggest culprit is carbohydrates. Not soy, carbohydrates. Oh, okay. Because the car- carbohydrates turn into sugars, and and um, sugar, excess sugar in the blood is what causes diabetes. And so that there is a, there appears to be some kind of a link between people who have diabetes to Alzheimer's. Now, I, I also want to tell you 
that I had an opportunity to meet the executive director for the Greater Cincinnati Alzheimer's Association. I had dinner with her. She loved the book. She loved, there's an illustration in the book where we compare the nine-year-old girl, Hudson's brain, to Grammy's brain. When I worked on that, I was convinced that if I, if I go to Google Images and I look for images of dementia in the brain, what we will see are pictures of, and line drawings of the mass, the tissue of brain matter with all the curly lines and wrinkles and all that stuff. Right. And I concluded, I concluded that that was not going to work with children between 9 and 12. So what I did in both Hudson and Grandma's brain, I replaced the brain with roads because the mm. messages, the messages from the brain to the parts of the body that that do function pass through the nervous system, either through through the through the spinal cord or through the nervous system. So what I did in Hudson's brain, nine years old, her roads, every intersection has a green light. Everything's a go, everything gets through. But when we turn the page and look at Grammy's brain, the same roads, but what we see are red lights, do not enter, stop, no left turn, no right turn, turn around and go back. The wow. messages don't get through. And what she told me, that was amazing, that, that it's the best illustration she's ever seen of what happens with dementia. But here's another thing that she said. In addition to the, the blacks and the Hispanics, she said, mm -hmm. if we live to age 85, we have a one in two chance of getting dementia. Oh, interesting. Just because, just because, because, the, just because my, of the aging process. My, my grandmother lived until she was 97, and she basically, again, she's like my aunt, who's 93. She was so sharp. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's so, true. I mean, it happens. I, I, I met one of them in my foundation. I met a, yes. a gentleman in Cincinnati, Ohio, who served mm -hmm. in the Second World War for the Marine Corps the Korean War, and Vietnam, and he was 93 years of age. Served in three wars, and sharp as a tack. But I've also met people in their 60s who can't do anything. See, right. what, what, what happens in the case of dementia, and you saw this with your mother. Yes. If you go to alzheimers.org, on the front okay. page are t 10 signs 10 signs of people who have dementia. One of them is losing things. Another one is not knowing where they are or how to get back home from where they are. That's just a couple of examples. And so what happens as we, as we, we get older, our, our capacity in general to remember things is a function of how much we use our brain. There's right. an old saying you might have heard about the brain, use it or lose it. Correct, yeah. In the case, in case of your mother, 
the post-traumatic stress disorder caused her to shut down, which mm-hmm. means she was exactly. not stimu- stimulating her brain. Perfect. I mean, that, that is so true. I mean, because I, I see my mother and my aunt, and my aunt is, has always been very sharp, sports, politics, everything, and her mm-hmm. brain is always constantly active. But I wanted to touch on uh, 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 environmental factors. How important, based on your research, is environmental factors, like where you live, or is it by, is it by if, you, if you're poor, you get Alzheimer's more than if you're rich or if you're middle class? Have, have, have there been some studies done on, on, on the environmental, the social aspect of living in, 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 in regards to the disease? Well, I, I think in, in some respect, I've, I've answered part of your question, which is yeah. okay. I'll, I'll say, say it again. Because yeah. what, you're, what you're asking me, does diet have an impact on dementia? And I said, yes. And right. if, you think about, if you think about the diet of, of some poor people, their diet will tend to be higher in sugars and carbohydrates which means right. they'll have a much greater chance of getting diabetes and also right. perhaps a greater chance of getting dementia. If they're less active, if they're, they live a sedentary lifestyle, they don't use their brain. They sit in front of a television all day. Um, right. And they're not, not physically active. That also creates the potential. So, yes, it's, it's certainly possible that certain classes of people would be more prone to get diabetes and potentially dementia because right. that the scientists believe that diet and exercise are contributing factors for dementia. So do you, do you based on the study, so you see people who are more affluent not getting Alzheimer's and dementia? Not getting it, they don't get as much. They don't get it as much as a percentage okay. of their population that blacks and Hispanics do. Got it. Because Got there it. is, there is, there was real or not. There are, there are studies that show that if I I'm a little more affluent, I do become more concerned about diet and exercise and lifestyle, and um, right. activity and using your brain and whatever that's opposed to somebody who is who is poor and unemployed and whatever right all right so that that that, that is a, a a huge factor how about how about uh smoking and doing drugs and uh or having a stroke uh does that also have uh, those also factors to consider um smoking always is a factor okay. in, in any oh. sickness, any illness, in a disease. It, it is a it is a um, a catalyst that will continue. And if you continue to smoke, you will uh, the 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 degree of severity of or the time sequence will be uh, accelerated because of smoking and 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 also excessive amounts of alcohol. As opposed to drugs, 
I guess I would have to ask you the question, are you speaking legal drugs or illegal drugs? Well, you know, there's, I, some, of the, uh, some of the readings that I've done is that um, it's been said that smoking marijuana, uh, weed basically helps you with, if you're basically right on the edge of getting dementia or Alzheimer's. I don't know how true that is because I don't smoke marijuana, but I was uh, based on your research. Is that something that is uh, could be true or, or false? Well, there could be some cases. Um, if if we we'd have to go back and and we'd have to qualify because remember I said sometimes. Dementia is genetic. Sometimes right. it's because of trauma to the brain. Uh, blood disorder can also cause dementia. There, there are there are more causes than just genetic for dementia, but genetic is the largest largest factor. Um, I don't know. I've I've thought about it. I haven't talked to any researcher in the field of dementia who has opined to me either on the record or off the record as to whether or not uh, smoking or ingesting of marijuana uh, was had a positive impact. In fact, I, I do know that they have said that if marijuana is going to be used Dan Perkins. Disconnected. Hello. Hello. Dan Perkins. Hello. Hello. Dan Perkins. Hello. 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 Hello?